Hi, I'm Pat Rulo, author, speaker, and radio host of Speak Up Talk Radio. I'm local and vocal when it comes to healthcare safety. If you need a life-changing topic and speaker for your next event, call me, 440-725-5462, or visit speakupandstayalive.com. Patient safety is your right, so don't go wrong. Let me share what I know with your group, 440-725-5462, or visit speakupandstayalive.com. Hot, hot, bring the heat. And now, your host, Pat Rulo. Welcome to Speak Up Talk Radio, where nothing is off limits when it comes to your health, wellness, healthcare safety, or just plain sanity. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo author of the book on the recommended reading list of the U.S. Army's Medical Department, titled Speak Up and Stay Alive, The Patient Advocate Hospital Survival Guide, available at the website speakupandstayalive.com. As a healthcare safety speaker, trainer, and researcher, it is my goal to keep you safe from what the masses embrace as normal. Thank you for joining me today as together we become the voice for informed choice. So turn off that microwave radiation emitting cell phone because it's time to get started. of consumers are unsatisfied with their healthcare experience. According to a new study by Profit and GE Healthcare Camden Group, published just last week, the study uncovered an extremely large gap between the experience patients report receiving and what providers believe they are offering. In fact, the providers surveyed overestimated the overall quality of the experience they gave patients by more than 20%. There is a misperception among providers about how well they are truly meeting consumers' expectations. And although they acknowledge its importance, providers are finding it challenging to focus on patient experience in the face of so many competing priorities, such as government regulations and consolidations. And as healthcare systems consolidate and the payment and care models transform, the patient experience appears to be getting worse, not better healthcare industry saw a 14% increase in consolidation and a 3% decline in patient satisfaction. And to me, that makes sense. I mean, you have two systems who may not be doing so well as far as the patient experience goes, and then they consolidate into one giant and become even worse. The study says providers are struggling to adapt to the rising culture of consumerism, which has heightened people's expectations. The power has shifted to the consumer in nearly every industry, and now it's healthcare's turn. And right now, this radio show, my book, and speaking events are contributing to this consumer shift, and that is good. They say that most healthcare providers are aware of the need to improve the experience. In fact, 75% of those surveyed believe that the patient experience is key to their future success. The critical challenge for most is figuring out how to make meaningful improvements when faced with so many other demands on their time and resources. So I thought that's an interesting piece of news. Now, once again, they didn't need to conduct a study to arrive at that answer. 
All they had to do was follow me. And here's the thing. So many of our experiences have been wonderful. And most of the people involved have been superhuman beings. I took my mom to the emergency room on a Sunday morning because she couldn't breathe. And within moments, I witnessed a seamless coming together of about eight people converging around her bed at the same time, each one performing their specialty with swiftness and empathy. It was like watching a well-practiced Dancing with the Stars. I mean, it was truly amazing. But then came some of the other also amazing moments and not amazing in a good way. During this swift morning emergency room action, they needed a urine sample. So they gave mom a bedpan and thanks to the diuretics they were pumping her with intravenously, those are similar to water pills, she gave them quite the sample. The nurse poured some into a small jar and proceeded to put the entire bedpan in the sink. No, she didn't pour it down the drain, but she left the entire bedpan filled with the urine in the sink. As she screwed the lid on the sample jar, she said to me, don't think I'm being lazy by not throwing out the rest of the urine. I'm saving it. I said, why are you saving it? She said, because they always lose the sample and I might need this later. I looked at her. Wait, who loses the urine samples? The lab? Yes, she replied and laughed. They always lose them. And when we ask for the results, they say, oh, but we never got the sample. You'd think those jars had legs. I stood there aghast. I really did. First, at the fact that the lab would routinely lose urine samples. And secondly, because she actually decided to share that bit of scary information with me. Why in the world would she tell that to a patient or a family member? I don't know. And worse, I now had to spend the next seven hours in this tiny emergency room sitting next to a bedpan full of urine. No, I'm not making this up. And while I was waiting for them to admit mom to a room, which took forever, I occasionally took a break from the urine smell and stepped out into the hallway. One of those breaks, I watched as an x-ray technician wheeled the portable x-ray machine into the room across the hall. Now, apparently he did a chest x-ray on the gal in that room. He left, but soon returned with the machine, and I heard him tell the patient, we didn't get a good reading because of your metal bra straps. So they did another x-ray, this time, I'm assuming, without the bra. And I thought to myself, okay, shouldn't the technician tell the patient to remove anything metal prior to radiating her? Isn't that part of the protocol? Certainly a patient shouldn't be expected to know this or remember this. So now, this poor gal gets a double dose of radiation, of unnecessary radiation because the tech was, what, too lazy? Tired? Forgetful? Bored? Didn't care enough to do his job properly? Had it been me, I would have been livid. And I tell you this today because you need to be mindful anytime you get an x-ray. Ask why you need it. Is there any other way to get the same results without the radiation? And what should you do to prepare properly to avoid a second dose? To me, this is unforgivable. Then, during my mom's hospital stay, there was the usual and customary issues that on the surface may seem small, but really could be moments that can initiate a serious problem. Things such as skin integrity. They put a breathing mask on mom's face with straps so tight with the metal nose piece sharply digging into her already thin and frail skin that by the end of the first day, the skin on her nose was missing and red and no one noticed. 
I had to find gauze and wad it up to cover her nose to keep it from tearing the skin. And then there's pressure sores, bed sores. These buggers are easy to get and hard to get rid of. After two days of lying in bed, I already found the beginnings of a bed sore on her behind. And I know about this, as she had a stage four pressure sore in the same place back in 2008, and they sent her home with it, designating me as the one to care for it. So when I brought that to everyone's attention, they all talked about an ointment, a Mepilex foam adhesive, or a moisture barrier cream that they would use, but no one did. Two days into this, I finally called the nurse from home and I said, very nicely, but firmly, my mom got a stage four pressure sore at this hospital eight years ago, and I certainly do not want to repeat that. Would you please, after two days of talking about it, would you please do something to help with this potential disaster? Her reply, yes, I know, I've been busy. I've been busy? In two 12-hour shifts, someone has been too busy to take five minutes to make sure that a patient does not develop a bed sore? Really? What do I do with that answer? It's certainly not an appropriate response. And then the aides were supposed to come to her room every two hours to turn her to help avoid the skin from breaking down, but no one did. Maybe this sounds like a petty complaint, but consider this. An estimated 60,000 United States hospital patients die from complications due to a hospital-acquired pressure ulcers. And each year, almost 3 million patients, 3 million patients are treated in hospitals for pressure ulcers. It's a big problem. So please keep skin integrity on your radar if you or someone you know is in the hospital. Then there's the age-old hospital complaint about sleep. Oh, it's just common sense that if you don't sleep, you don't heal. If your internal clock gets thrown off, you don't heal. So here you are, already in a strange place, an uncomfortable bed, in pain, hooked to tubes and wires and alarms, noise, bright lights, blood tests. Yet the staff is compelled to wake you every morning at 4.30 a.m. to give you a bath. Why? Because when shift changes in a few hours, the nurses already have enough to do, so let's get it done at the crack of doom. I ask, is it appropriate to insist that a patient receive a bath during the night shift to save the day shift some work and to suit the schedule of the hospital? Or is the patient's rest more important? Mom asked one of the nurses about this, and that was her answer. It saves the day shift some work. Wrong, wrong, wrong. This is not healthy, nor healing for the patient. In fact, it's rude. It's plain wrong. So if this happens to you, feel free to speak up and insist that you receive your bath at a normal time, whatever is normal for you, not what is convenient for the staff. Ah, and speaking of the staff, what about the kitchen staff? What's up with that? Every day, a young sweet gal would visit mom's room to take her food order. She repeated it after she entered the information to be sure that it was complete and correct. Yet, every time the food tray arrived, food would be missing. Malnutrition is already a problem in the hospital when patients have decreased appetites and the food quality is questionable. Or, and this is a constant problem, when someone moves the tray table to the other side of the room and does not return it close to the patient, and then the food delivery person leaves the food a mile away. Far from reach 
to get nice and chilled and soggy. Not to receive the food you order is simply putting the patient at risk. I mean, not if it happens once, but when every meal has something missing? Well, now that's just bizarre. Do they put the non-reading people in the kitchen? I mean, what is going on when a person cannot fulfill a simple meal order? And unless it's the same culprit down there, which I doubt, apparently everyone has the same problem. I find this absolutely mind-boggling and dangerous to a patient's health. Ah, and finally, you will not believe this one. One afternoon, Bob and I sat in Mom's room with her while she was still in the intensive care unit. Yes, I said intensive care. And we watched a nurse, an RN, responsible for three or more patient rooms. We watched as she sat all hunched in a ball at her computer, perusing travel websites pulling up pricing, flashing pictures of sun, sand, and surf. And this went on for two solid hours, two hours, while the gal next to her at the nurse's station was texting on her cell phone. When the travel nurse's patients would sound the call alarm, that alarm would beep throughout the hallway for at least five minutes before she would respond. Can I help you? Then back to the computer. Wherever she was going was sunny, with palm trees, and was going to cost her $589. We actually sat and watched her do this for two hours, on hospital time, on an intensive care floor. What to make of that? What to do with that bit of information? Do you think her patients might experience more medication errors, more diagnostic errors? I do. When her focus is on Aruba instead of Mrs. Jones, you better believe Mrs. Jones is at risk. How can this nurse effectively monitor her patients while her mind is somewhere else? And here's the thing. With all of the technology now employed within a hospital, cheaters like this nurse can get away with it, saying, I'm charting. And unless you're looking over her shoulder like we were, you wouldn't know what she was doing. In fact, there was a case a few years ago when a nurse failed to notice a patient had been dead for some time because she was playing online computer games. The nurse had been asked to pay particular attention to this diabetic man during her night shift because he had previously been hypoglycemic. But she did not check his blood sugar level once and instead sat at the nurse's station computer throughout her shift playing the spelling puzzle game Bookworm. And, and get this, when Bob mentioned this to mom's nurse, she just shrugged and said, yeah, I wouldn't doubt if that's what she's doing. As if it were routine. I guess it is. Well, back to the groundbreaking study that says, most healthcare providers are aware of the need to improve the patient experience. In fact, 75% of those surveyed believe the patient experience is key to their future success. The critical challenge for most is figuring out how to make meaningful improvements when faced with so many other demands on their time and resources. And once again, I wonder, what are people wondering about? Why is it such a challenge to figure out how to make meaningful improvements? When the lab loses a urine sample, someone needs to get in there quick and find out why. Is it a people problem or a systems problem? And then fix it. That should not happen more than once. When the radiology department finds out that the same person was given two chest x-rays within moments because the tech didn't properly prepare the patient, either fix the technician, get rid of him, or create some self-correcting protocol to avoid killing the patient with undue amounts of radiation. 
patients acquiring bed sores within the hospital? Make someone accountable. It's obvious that the aides don't get it. Nurses, too busy to see to it that their patient doesn't get a life-threatening bed sore? Well, then assign someone who does get it and come up with a reporting device. Hire a bed sore guru to wander through the rooms doing a butts-up check. Everyone's all up and excited about technology. Make it work. Do something. Bathing patients during the middle of the night? Hire a daytime bathing staff whose sole job is to give a good bath and have them check for skin integrity during the process. That way the nurses and aides won't have to be bothered during the day shift and patients can rest and heal during the night like normal people. Kitchen staff who can't fulfill a meal order properly? I'm sure there's some technological app that can monitor and beep when the tray does not reflect the food order. Nurses playing games and booking their vacations while on duty? Here's a solution. Fire them. Done. Simple. If that were the known outcome, I can guarantee you that no one will be texting or fooling around the computer if they know they will be fired on the spot. One simple picture taken by me of that nurse on a beach website sent to the hospital administration and gone. Bye-bye. Enjoy Aruba permanently. To me, patient safety defines the patient experience. And it's not a head scratcher. All of the studies and papers and the aha moments. Ah, now we have something to think about to make meaningful improvements. How about just do your job like someone's life depends on it? Oh, that's right. Someone's life does. Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. Stay safe from little-known healthcare and hospital hazards. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com. Are you looking for a speaker for your next event who's fun, fast-paced, enlightening, and did I mention life-saving? Then you need me, Pat Rulo, healthcare safety expert, patient advocate, and radio host. Visit speakupandstayalive.com or call 440-725-5462. Stay safe from little-known healthcare and hospital hazards. Call 440-725-5462 or visit speakupandstayalive.com. And once again, a lot packed into our program today. Before we come to an end today, though, I want to make you aware of a resource a hospital resource. As I mentioned at the top of the show, during my mom's hospital stay, I noticed that the skin on her backside was getting a bit red and scary looking. Years ago, she acquired a pressure ulcer, a bed sore at this very same hospital system, a stage four to the bone deep gaping hole that had all of the trappings to be an infection nightmare. So when I saw what looked to be some warning signs, I showed it to the occupational therapist who happened to be in the room at the time. This was on a Thursday. She agreed that it looked susceptible and said that she would have someone come in with a skin barrier, an ointment of some kind. Thursday came and went. Nothing. No one. On Friday morning, Mom asked her nurse to please check it out and put the protective ointment on the site. At 4 o'clock that afternoon, still no service. So I called mom's nurse on the telephone and asked her to help with this. She said she would, but that she had been busy. Okay, I get that. But will you please take care of this before you leave? She assured me she would. Saturday morning early, I called mom's room. Ah, uh, mom, did Lisa come in to put the Mepilex bandage on the pressure sore site? Nope. 
and neither did anyone turn me every two hours as promised in order to relieve the pressure from the site. <sighs> Are you kidding me? Nope, she said. The service here is lousy. No one comes in, and when they do, they act as if the room is on fire and they have to escape. Well, we talked for a while, and I hung up the phone. Madder than a wet bee. I pondered my next action, short of driving over to the hospital to throttle this nurse. Instead, I called the hospital and asked for the patient ombudsman, or patient advocate, as I knew that I wanted to document this situation formally, should a bed sore occur. A kind woman answered, and I asked if she had a moment to hear my story and offer some help. When I shared the conversation I had with Nurse Lisa, who told me she had been too busy to help my mom avoid a bed sore, the gal on the phone gasped. Oh no, she said, that's not right. Let me head over to that unit to find out what's going on. I expressed my concern that now everyone on the floor would perhaps treat my mom more poorly, thanks to my phone call, but she assured me that would not be the case. How sad that I have to be afraid to report the truth for fear of retribution. Well, my point in telling you this story is to give you this recourse should you find yourself in a situation where no one will help. Contact the patient care advocate or the ombudsman, whatever they call it in your particular hospital. Be polite, to the point, non-emotional. Give the facts and ask for a solution. Ask that they document the phone call and you do so as well. No one wants to get all legal at a time like this, but should an untoward event occur as a result of this negligence, now you have documentation and backup to pursue whatever recourse you decide is best for you. I mean, when a nurse flat out lies about helping and then ignores your courteous request, tells you she's been too busy to tend to you, well, once again, I'd fire that person in a heartbeat. So use whatever resources you have to. It's really quite apparent. You have to speak up and stay alive. Crazy stuff, huh? Well, there you have it. Lots to think about and plenty to share with others. And to do so, simply head over to the website speakupandstayalive.com where you can listen to today's show again and hear previous episodes all under the Radio Archives button. And while you're there, visit the shop page to get a copy of the life-saving book, Speak Up and Stay Alive, Your Hospital Survival Guide. And for more of my books, visit Amazon.com. Type my name in the search bar, Patricia Rulo, R-U-L-L-O, and you will find some other goodies. Now, if you're in the Cleveland, Ohio area, listen to the show every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock on WHKW. AM 1220, as well as on WHKZ AM 1440. And tune in again every Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. Same show, but on WHK AM 1420. We're also on iTunes, iHeartRadio, SpeakUpTalkRadio.com, and about 50 additional online venues. So uh, no excuse to miss a single episode. And if you just need more of me, invite me to speak to your group, club, church, business, or hospital. My presentations are fun, fast-paced, informative, and life-saving. And I can guarantee this, no one falls asleep on my watch. Visit speakupandstayalive.com for more information. Email me at pat at speakupandstayalive.com or call me and leave a message on the radio studio line, 440 725 5462. 
That is 440-725-5462. Well, that is it for today. Until next time, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week. I am Pat Rulo, and I am the voice for informed choice. I'm Jerry the Germ with a Speak Up and Stay Alive Healthcare and Hospital Safety Snippet just for you. <coughs> Here's our expert, Pat Rulo. <laughs> Hey, Jerry, did you know people are talking dirty and don't even know it? That's right. According to Dr. Chuck Gerba, a famous microbiologist whom I spent the entire day with at his lab in Tucson, Arizona, he found cell phones carry 10 times the bacteria of most toilet seats. Ugh. So what can you do about this? Sanitize your phone daily with my newest cross-contamination solution called Dirty Talk. Simply spray a bit of Dirty Talk cell phone disinfectant onto a soft cloth and gently wipe down your cell phone, iPad, computer mouse, and keyboard. Statistics show that cell phones harbor 25,000 germs per square inch. So stay safe from all of this dirty talk. Visit zappenzen.com. That's Z-A-P-N-Z-E-N.com. Zappenzen.com. And get your dirty talk cell phone disinfectant. It's made with only safe ingredients such as organic tea tree, tangerine, and cinnamon essential oils. It smells yummy, and the bottle lasts a long time. That's zappinzen.com or call to order 440-725-5462. That's 440-725-5462 or visit zappinzen.com.